brought to you by the Game Reviews and the Unified Gamers Network. You're listening to Big Red Motion, the podcast that doesn't really plan its episodes out anymore. Uh, <laughs> as you can tell by that slightly impromptu uh, script session. Anyway, my name is Sinan Kibber. I am joined for the first time in about a month, I think, by yep, that's right. by one Joe Delia. Yes, absolutely. We're actually doing a show this week. I know. All right. Less lazy this week. This is good. Yeah, I know. It, it, in fairness, like to us, I don't mean to be kind of prissy about it, but we've had rubbish Novembers. <laughs> I mean, you had, yeah, you had a really bad week last fun. weekend, didn't you? It's okay. It's it's not been fun, but you know what? I actually have my Virtual Boy in hand now. That means it's going to be a party episode. <laughs> Listen to that. That's the slider of goodness. I have a, I have a Grosh, which I don't know if... Do you have Ooh. Grosh in America? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, no. it is a... I'm going to check which country it comes from. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I believe it's it's a Dutch beer. Ah, okay. It's a beer then. That's, I thought you were actually holding some type of fruit. <laughs> so that's, that's a start. Okay. So now I know that I can fool you of any kind of weird-sounding European <laughs> yes, word. Yes, absolutely. Yes, sir. Okay, well... Just make stuff up. I will not notice. <laughs> right. So we're three minutes, and we should probably talk video games, maybe? Sounds like a plan. has been in a lot of use in the last month. That's That's been a great thing for me and my Wii. Um, me and the girlfriend have been playing a lot of new Super Mario Brothers Wii, which wow. I really hate that name. It's so awkward to say, new Super Mario Brothers Wii. If you abbreviate um, it, it's, uh, it, it's NS, NSMB Wii. No, w. That, that's terrible. Wii. NSMB Wii, yeah. That's right. It sounds like a cable channel <laughs> of some sort. It's really... A terrible name that never gets better no matter how many times you say it, but I really, really love the game a lot. Um, and I, that's actually something I'm surprised at because, I mean, you know, I, I played it at E3, and it, it really just felt like more of the same. And every screenshot, you know, looked like more of the same, and I'm just like, well, you know, I played the DS1. I liked the DS1 a lot, but I don't really I don't really know if I want another one of those yet. It, I just played the DS1 like two years ago. Um, but this one's, it's got some new stuff. It really feels different. I mean, they, the first one was very much based off Mario Brothers 1, you know, um, Super Mario Brothers 1. Right. And this one, they actually incorporated a lot of elements from 3 and World. Okay. Which, I mean, those are probably the most beloved Mario, for the most part, people love those games dearly. And, like, they took the Koopa Cousins from 3, they took... Um, the, the, the multi-suit aspect from 3, they took Yoshi from World, they took a lot of the the level design stuff from World, like you have the the cages that you slap and you spin around on, They're, they make an appearance in this game, and there's a ghost house in the game, like there's a lot of stuff from both of those games. And, you know, f- they freshen up those ideas kind of in the same way they freshened up Mario 1 in, in New Super Mario Brothers right. DS, which is really hard to say also. <laughs> and, um... They created this like this crazy amalgamation, almost like a best of collection of Mario Brothers stuff. Right. I mean, that, that, I, I I must admit, when I first saw it at Eurogamer, Eurogamer Expo, um, a lot of people seemed quite down on it. There seemed right. to be kind of a, a a bit of a sort of 
reluctance to even accept that you know this sure. this game is out. This get that there's this uh, almost casual type Mario game coming out. Um, right. But like watching the actual people play it, all I could see was people having fun. Um, right. And you know every so, there was a, a line of about eight screens, and like you're saying, I could just pin you know there's something from Mario Three here, there's something from Mario mm-hmm. World here, there's something from Mario One, there's something from Mario Galaxy. Um, like it it. It seems to me like Nintendo have, against the odds, created something which actually should appeal to both sides of the audience. You know, like the if we if we are going to split the audience into a casual right. and hardcore, it looks like there's there is something for everyone in this game. No, absolutely. I mean, they they didn't take anything from Mario Two though, which is funny because which... it's what it looks like most. Yes, it absolutely is. I mean, if if Princess Peach was a playable character, it technically would be Mario Two. No, there's nothing else in there, which really sucks. Um, no, but it's 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 definitely a, a, a game that will appeal to everybody. I mean, my girlfriend, she plays games, but this one she she adored. In the same way that last year she adored uh, Little Big Planet. It's very much a play it with your girlfriend, play it with your significant other, play it with your friends type of experience. The, the multiplayer really adds to that. But before I even get into the multiplayer, um, I think the big problem with this game, the reason that a lot of people are kind of iffy on it, and I mean, I honestly, I don't know a single person that purchased this game besides me, which, I mean, go back a couple years when Mario Galaxy came out, every single person I knew was rushing to that store to pick that game up. Um, I think the problem was that they announced this game the same day they announced Galaxy 2. And they said, oh, by the way, it's coming out in six months. There's really, you know, I mean, every Mario game has such a tremendous buildup, and people are flipping out. Even the ones that look weird, like you know, uh, Mario Sunshine. There's such this tremendous buildup for it. Mario DS, the uh, new Super DS, was like this tremendous buildup of wow, this new 2D Mario game is coming out. I can't wait to play it. And this game, they, they, it's almost like they kind of sent it out to die because they gave it about what six months of promotion. Right. They, they really haven't been pushing it that hard on like TV and stuff like that, and. It's a shame because they created a really cool experience that there's really nothing else like this game on the Wii or pretty much any other platform sans Little Big Planet. It's interesting. I think you, you've made a really good point about uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2 because thinking back to the, the actual timeline of watching that presentation, it came up really early in the presentation. Um, right. And I was in a, in a in a chat room actually of our, one of our network podcasts, The Gamer Scene, um, talking with some of the other guys there, and there was just this... Uh, this kind of collective sigh about mm. New Super Mario Brothers Wii. It was just, uh, this is not the Mario Galaxy 2 we were expecting. There isn't going to be a Mario right. Galaxy 2. Oh, God, Nintendo have screwed up again. And then we got the Metroid game, and then we got New Super mm. Mario Brothers, uh, sorry, uh, Mario Galaxy 2, and it was like, wow, Nintendo doing great stuff. <laughs> Amazing. And it's like, this game almost kind of got forgotten about. Right. Well, it's it's you know it's kind of like last year where Animal Crossing was their big fall release for the Wii last year. It's just this, it's the game that no one really wanted, and it's a quality game when it comes out. It's a game that people are going to like when they play it, but it's not the game that people wanted, you know, and it's a shame that, like, I mean, you know, uh, Reggie said something interesting last month. He said this game is going to eventually outsell Modern Warfare 2. That's interesting and wrong. Right. I I think it's going to come close over the years, because Modern Warfare 3 is going to come out, which is going to kill the sales of 2, and this game is going to continue to sell. But... I don't think it's going to come close because Mario Galaxy didn't even come close. And I think this one would appeal to less people than Mario Galaxy would. Um, but it's a damn shame. I think that if you know, you're know you really not that 
high on this game, I think you have to give it a chance because even if you're tired of the 2D Mario experience, which I, I could understand that some people would be because in reality, Nintendo didn't really push beyond what they've done in the past in this game. It, the actual core mechanics, the, the you know, there's new suits and stuff like that. There's finally an ice flower, for Christ's sakes. Which <laughs> I can't believe there has never been an ice flower, but we finally have it. And it's awesome. Um, but if I had one complaint about this game, it would be the fact that they really didn't try to push it that hard. I mean, you know, as I said before, I really wouldn't have wanted a new Super Mario Bros. 2 on the DS just because I want them to kind of do something new. And in this one, doing something new means they pretty much just stole things from 3 and World. I mean, the bosses, like, I think they mentioned this on the Giant Bombcast last week, but the boss fights are taken exactly, directly, one for one from Mario 3. Use the same tricks, everything. It's just in 3D. That's the only change. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, I kind of want to see Nintendo do... do different things like do something new create like a new super mario brothers um in a new world type of thing and they did with that galaxy of course but i love to see a real new 2d mario game that isn't based on anything that they've done before i mean it's it's it is interesting when you start to consider that you know the release date and um uh things like the concept in itself and and how much it is an extension of the ds game and mm. i you said there that you you got this impression that Nintendo have sent this out to die, and I just wonder if it's not that they sent it out maybe to die, but is this just maybe something to save face? Because at the end of the day, what have they got in Q4 this year apart right. from this? Well, I almost want to say that this game is a direct reaction to Little Big Planet, and the reaction that it got before it came out. Right. Because I don't think that this game really took that long to make. And Little Big Planet, before that came out, it had this aura around it of this is going to be the next big thing in gaming. This four-player platformer, everyone can play it type of experience is going to be the biggest thing this year. Right. And I almost want to say that this was Nintendo saying, well, why don't we do something like that? I think that's a really, you know, interesting theory. Um, and I, I could actually, you know, see you being right about that. Um what I, what you, you mentioned Little Big Planet obviously, and Little, Little Big Planet had online play, which this clearly uh, a big problem from some quarters. Uh, it does not. It's it's a soul crushing omission from this game, because uh, as I was about to go into, the multiplayer is really something new and different and cool. Like this is, it's not just you know, a co-op Mario Brothers game. It's not that at all, because you can't cooperate with the person, because in this game, unlike, I think, I believe Little Big Planet, you could run through your friend as you walked around, or at least you wouldn't hit them that hard if you hit them, you ran into them. You wouldn't knock them off platforms or anything like that. Right. This game, you you make impact with everything you touch. So if there's, like, your friend is standing on a platform and you run too fast and you hit him, you'll knock him right off the platform. That's that's the template the Mario multiplayer games have had since, you know, the original Super right. you know, Mario Brothers. Sure, and it, it's absolutely... They adapted it to the, to the whole platforming thing, and because this game... I'm not going to say it's hard, which I've actually heard some people say. It, it's not very hard. You have a lot of lives, and, right. and if you play decently, you're actually going to be fine. And, you you know, you could build up suits like Mario 3. You could save them, pretty much, and use them whenever you want for each level. So as long as you use that wisely, you're never really going to die that much. But when you have more than one person playing, it becomes a challenge. Because 
you have to make very exact jumps. And when two people are trying to make the same exact jump at the same time, nothing good ever happens. <laughs> and it's part of the fun, though. It's part of the enjoyment that, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm gonna, oh, my God, my friend knocked me off the cl- a cliff. And now he's got to save me because when you die, you come back in a bubble and someone has to pop that bubble to bring you back. Um, it becomes this really interesting co-op experience where you're almost – you know, kind of like in a first-person team-based game, you're expecting your friends to be at the same level as you throughout the entire thing. Right. And when they're not, it becomes a calamity of errors, where everything is going wrong and nothing is happening, and you're ending up starting at the beginning of the level because you all failed at the exact same moment because of one person's mistake. Right. And I kind of like that. It really works well in this formula, surprisingly so. So, I mean, to, to follow on from that, because this is kind of... It cementing your theory about the whole Little Big Planet thing. Like Little Big Planet was sold on the idea that you have to cooperate with your other players, but also work against them and get the highest score in a right. level. And we heard the same thing in the E3 presentation about news of Mario Brothers. How does that actually work in practice? Yeah, the competitive aspects are actually the, probably the most striking part of it because, um, you know, you could pick up coins, you could beat this guy here. Um, the power-up grabs become the real thing because the platforms that you tend to stand on are pretty small. And when you, you know, hit a, a question mark block, the power-ups tend to spring out and go all over the place. And it more times than not, one person will grab more than one of those power-ups. And then it just becomes like a, a bitch brawl where you're yelling at your friend because he took your mushroom that you needed to get to the next section. And, it, you know, it becomes really funny. And, like, after that happens, of course, you want to go for all the power-ups next time to screw your buddies over because they screwed you over in the past. It just – it builds up this rivalry through this, you know, three- to five-minute level. And it, 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 it almost, in a way, becomes this, like, war by the end. Like, can you actually survive with your friends to get to the end of the level? Or is it just going to break down halfway through and you're going to be spiking people down into pits by jumping on their, their heads when they're trying <laughs> to make the leap? Um, but it works. It really works well. I think even – more so than Little Big Planet. Little Big Planet was at the, you know, in its heart, more of a co-op experience. You really, of course, stuff would happen, and you would throw people off cliffs and stuff like that. But, you know, in the end, you're still trying to get to the end of the level. You're still trying to cooperate for the most part. You're not trying to use up the lives because that game you had a very limited amount of lives to beat each section. Here, it's more of a fracas, Smash Brothers type. You know, beat up your friends, and maybe one of you will make it to the end. Um, at the end of it. Um, but it works. It really does work far better than I thought it would. At E3, because people, I was playing with some weird corporate guy and some Nintendo rep and some person I've never met before, it didn't really work. Because I, that, in a way, I, I guess no online play kind of works, though, because, you know, like a game we're going to talk about later, Left 4 Dead 2, I don't really know if you just jump in with four random people if you're going to have a great time. Well, this is what I was going to ask you. I mean, how much... Because I, I, I do take your point that this game is it works maybe better uh, in in a local play than it would work right. online. But at the end of the day, uh, like you said, it's, it's a it's a terrible omission that it's not in there. And frankly, you know, it's late two thousand and nine. We're very deep into this generation of, of consoles. Right. This is kind of a, a very backwards decision from Nintendo. I mean, how right. what what can we take from this decision? What 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 is there to say about it in terms of the future of Nintendo and online play? I think Nintendo always, and I have to word this in a way that's not going to piss a whole lot of people off, but I think Nintendo has, for the past few years at least, done the bare minimum in certain respects. 
Like, this game did not need online play to succeed. Right. And that's why it's not there. Like, Mario Galaxy 2, could there be online integration in that game? Sure, it would be cool to check out, you know, to, to do two-player on those levels with your friends. Like, that would be great. But will it be in there? No, it won't be in there. Because they don't have to do that. It will sell without that feature. I think unless the market calls for this to be a requirement, which I don't think it will because of the stats that say how many Wiis aren't yet online, Right. I don't think Nintendo will really try that hard to push things. Just like this game in itself. It doesn't really push beyond anything they've done in the past. It's kind of just a, as I said, a greatest hits compilation. The multiplayer is something different, but, I mean, in the end, they really just found a way to balance the game when you threw three other people into the map. And had they released this game without that online, uh, the multiplayer play, who would have bought it? Interesting. It's the big feature, yeah. you know? Um, and all Wii games, for the most part, uh, the ones that really sell for a long time, with the exception of Wii Fit, are multiplayer-focused. Wii Sports and Wii Play, which I guess, you know, and um, you know, most of them have a big multiplayer component. That's what people keep playing, WarioWare. Um, I think that Nintendo realized they would need that feature in here to make it sell four or five million copies. Otherwise, it would have sold what Mario Galaxy did, which was about two million. Mm. And they, they put that in. You know, we've certainly heard uh, Iwata and Miyamoto, you know, talk about they don't want the idea of playing in the sitting room to die. Um, and you right. know, I, I, I don't know where I personally stand. I think I need to play the game myself before I, I commit to anything. But, I, you know, something like Mario Kart Wii, I just couldn't imagine without its online play. That's, right. you know, that game would have would have died without its online play. Um, well, not, not, not maybe died commercially, but it would have been forgotten about. We'd have gone, this is one of the worst Mario Karts has ever been out. To be honest, though, the GameCube version should have had online play. Right. There was no reason why it didn't. It had land play, which was horribly implemented. You couldn't even pick your racer when you used the land mode. And, you know, I don't, it, I don't think it could have survived. I think that the numbers would have been really hurt had they left that out. Yeah. Hmm, I, I, I don't know. We, we could certainly get more into Nintendo and, and online play, and I, I suspect in a future podcast we will. But um, <laughs> So, and, and anyway, let, let's not get down on this, because it sounds like... No, the, the, it's a great game. Yeah, you, it's a great game. It, it's, a, it's a great game. If you own a Wii, you have to buy this game. That's it. And if you have a group of two, three... three I've been playing it mostly two-player, and it's been fantastic. So if you have a group of two, three, four players that you know would stick through a game like this it takes maybe four or five hours to beat maybe a little bit longer if you go for all this, the hidden coins and stuff right. if you have a group this is an, a must play Wii multiplayer experience it is a lot of fun enough of a of a good game to cement Nintendo status in Q4 I think that Wii owners will be happy with this game fair enough I think it's a much better Q4 release than Animal Crossing and Wii Music <laughs> I will say that it is much better than those two games, but that's it. Is that is that necessarily saying all that much? It is not. Next year will be better with Galaxy 2, but for now, this is a good one. God knows you lonely souls. God knows you lonely souls. Do you suffer from video game itis? This is a condition affecting thousands of gamers who sell their games for next to nothing and buy them for way too much. You're not alone. Help is out there. Gamers using PlaySwitch.com now experience the freedom to name their own prices when buying and selling their used games. They take advantage of online postage, 
Listen to our video game podcast and visit a game market where they can see all the buyers and sellers of the games they're interested in. Use the code IWAFG when you sign up for a free account and we'll give you five free Switchbucks to get started. Don't wait. You don't need to suffer with used video game itis any longer. PlaySwitch.com, the smarter way to play. generous word. <laughs> um, there was no mixture whatsoever. I, I, I was very critical of it. I mean, it's, it's interesting that as critical as I was of it, I still think it's an average game. Um, okay. It, it, it wasn't a bad game. It just didn't deserve the, the, the mountain of praise that it got from the press. And okay. yeah, we talked about this on, on our review shows about how there was this initial outburst of uh, praise and, and glorification about this game, and then it was followed up by this sea of hatred <laughs> from <laughs> retributional quarters, where people just just hated it. And uh, you know, the actual truth is probably that Assassin's Creed lies somewhere in the middle. Sure. Um, and uh, <laughs> Assassin's Creed Two has received mountains of praise again. Oh yeah, crazy praise. Right, even more so than the first game. I mean, way more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, you, if you want to use Metacritic as a as a uh, a marker, then the first one got eighty on Metacritic, and the second one's at ninety two at the moment. Well, damn, that's a lot different. <laughs> it's a lot different. Um, damn. We just started to see the retribution reviews come in. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I I know a um, guy who appeared on our last uh, show, Brad Galloway, is not a fan of the game. Ooh. <laughs> he, he's a uh, he's left some scathing uh, blog posts and stuff over at GameCritics.com. <laughs> and uh, guess what? Again, what? I think the truth is that it's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> oh, for Christ's sakes. Really? Yeah, really. you got to be that voice of the search. you got to be the guy. Yeah. That one guy who's like, this game sucks. <laughs> no. I don't know what everyone's talking about. This game sucks. This game doesn't suck. It, it, okay. It's better than the first game. Let, let's get out of the way. The first it game... does not say much, though. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the first game was incredibly repetitive. That was the biggest sure. problem. Um... Is there an, assa- uh, uh, an Uncharted jump? Like Uncharted One to Uncharted Two, there was a pretty significant difference there. Do you think this is as big as a leap? Um, yes, I would actually say that even though the leaps are in different parts of the spectrum, the, mm. the, the, the leap is significant enough. Um, okay. You know, if we're talking like letter grades, for, or if you want to, you know, A B C, then this has shifted up a grade. Um, okay. Like I, I think the first one, like like I said, was very repetitive. The concept, if you ignore the stupid DNA stuff, was exciting and interesting. Absolutely. You, you had this interplay between a future world and a, and a past world, and mm-hmm. you know, free running in a medieval setting is just cool. That you can't get away from that. Oh yeah. You know, like being able to scale these historical buildings and jump off them into into bales of hay is just that that as as repetitive as it got. I still felt a tingle every single time I jumped off a building. Um, so, uh, I think if I think the first game would have died immediately in the water had it not been for the amazing landscapes yeah. that they built. I mean, it was all atmosphere in that game. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, as it 
if the cities weren't so cut and paste in the first game, if the mm. if there was more to do, um, we'd be saying so many greater things about that first game. Sure. And it's the thing in the second game they fixed all these things. Unfortunately, oh. we've this is the second game. <laughs> this is the kind <laughs> of the stuff that should have been there in the first one. So as much sure. as they are, are good improvements to have all these different ways to assassinate, and and to have really and I and I do emphasize this some of the best. Uh, scenarios you'll play in a video game like playing through Venice uh, and actually seeing these real buildings you know buildings that I've you know got walked past or, or uh, uh, you know like read about or whatever and they are there in this game and you are scaling them you're going around <laughs> that's incredible like wow. there are not many games that you can do that in um, and uh that's 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 very impressive, and to have it grounded in 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 real history, to have Leonardo da Vinci, to have uh, de Medici, to have Machiavelli, all these real people who have very strong history, and people probably you know most even like people who haven't really had a, a classical education or, or learned much about history will probably know Machiavelli and da Vinci and whatever. Right. Um, and to and to keep the story grounded in this reality, even though it's fictional, is is not a feat that should be underestimated, I think. Um, right. You know, Ubisoft Montreal have done a very good job integrating this with real history, something which they really failed to do the first time around. Um, I was going to ask, like, they really... It's not like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure where these, <laughs> these guys are going back to interrupt the past. They actually weave the story into real events and real people fairly well then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's funny you mentioned Bill and Ted because I, I, I did leave a tweet earlier this week saying that if you want to make a recipe for Assassin's Creed 2, one of the ingredients is Bill and Ted. Um, <laughs> uh, with the other ones being uh, Dan Brown Logic and um, ah. and uh, Doctor Who Brand Logic as well. Um, okay. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Doctor Who Brand Logic, but it's basically uh, if we can write in any way to, to cover our, our tracks and basically move on to the next situation. Um <laughs> And there is a bit of that in Assassin's Creed 2. There is a bit of sort of, don't worry if it doesn't really make sense. We'll just uh, uh, dust it underneath the carpet and move on anyway. Which, um, (laughs) you know, whatever, fine. I I think um, the first game was so ridiculous a concept, the whole DNA thing, I've Mm. kind of stopped caring if it really makes sense or not. Sure. Uh, At this point, it's like, you know what? You guys have come up with a terrible premise for this game. (laughs) So let's just roll with it and see where we go. uh, in terms of the assassinations, in terms of all the in, in, improvements to the gameplay, there's so much, so many more different ways you can go about killing people. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but sure. this is the whole okay. point of the game. You are killing people. Um, so you've got things like throwing knives, guns, um, uh, smoke bombs, and poison dart. All, all these things, all these really very cool ways um, of, of killing people. Mm. Uh I was talking with uh, one of our regular guests, Eddie Inzato, about the game, and uh, he was saying there's so many different ways to do this game that it gives you this kind of style aspect to it. My problem is that uh, the game simply doesn't encourage you to explore all these different ways of killing people. It's it's very much just um, says, here you go, here's here's a bunch of ways to to go about doing stuff. We're not going to encourage you which way you make the choice, which is expecting a lot of the player uh, <laughs> you know uh, so they give you all the toys but they don't necessarily make you use them yeah basically. absolutely perfectly put okay. um, and uh, I just found myself sticking to what worked best which wow. uh, I, I have a suspicion many players did uh, you know uh, like for example one of the sub 
plots of the game is that you're picking up all these codex pages, all these things that link up into one giant codex, which will reveal a clue about what's going mm-hmm. on in the game. There are guards defending all of these codex pages. They're in a they're in a a room in a box, and there are four guards outside this room uh, by the door. Now. There are lots of different ways you can deal with that, those guards. You can leap from above them and, and kill them. You can send uh, thieves to distract them. You can try and just you know go and take them on uh, you know straight uh, head on and then just try and kill them and deal with all the consequences. The best way to deal with them is to send courtesans at them and mm-hmm. to just get them to distract them because it costs uh, a, a small amount of money. Money isn't you know money is one of the introductions in this game I should say, but it's not a, a big important thing to deal with it's not like you're ever out of it right um so you send the courtesans they distract him you just walk in take the codex page walk out huh. you know that it's 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 all good and well saying there are lots of different ways to do it but you have to encourage the player to want to do that and unfortunately every single one of those situations there's no variation you can just do the same thing over and over right. again and that maybe doesn't quite cover all of the gameplay in the game but it certainly covers a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, I run into that problem a lot with beat-em-up type games, uh, any type of fighting game, actually. I mean, you know, there may be 15 combos for me to use, but most of the time I'm going to press X, 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 X until the guy goes down. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the very particular games come up with ways to make you use your other moves and stuff. So there's really nothing... There's no, for example, like armored guards in this game that you have to approach from a certain method or... There are there are armored guards which you cannot just go combat straight into you know just a, right. just x x x in the combat but you quickly learn if you grab them and slit their throat oh I see and you know it's 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 fine the first time but once you've worked out how to do it every single time it's 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 a bit frustrating and it's a shame mm-hmm. because they're really if you can get yourself into the mindset of approaching it from a style standpoint like devil may cry for example like right. all these style games which are which are absolutely fantastic i really like that genre of game um then then it, it's fun but you have to force yourself to think that way and it goes against right. the way you want to play the game which is uh, a bit of a, a a dissonance which i didn't really enjoy about the game so maybe they'll learn something from the Batman Arkham Asylum game that came out. I mean, one thing that game did really well was, I mean, you're given all of these toys. Right. And you have to use pretty much all of them. Absolutely. And so, I, you know, that came through for, because of the level design, primarily. Right. Uh, yeah, they force you to use them. Otherwise, like, you have to use the hanging upside down from the... the that's a move that I probably would never... Have, I'd use twice in most games and then just you know beat the guy up next time. Right. But they make it so that you have to stay underneath the, the, uh, the wooden statue, the... Uh, the what's it called the um... the the uh, gargoyles oh, gargoyles there you go you have to hang out to eat the gargoyles and grab the guys because if you don't you're going to get shot well that's interesting like you you um you you're almost exactly right it's not that you have to it's that you bloody well should and that's because the right. game pushes you into that situation it's like you it's could the best you, possible idea yeah you could do it another way if you right. want to but the game is is offering it to you and saying go on have a go and uh right. Like, again, just to, to get deep into this concept, the, the way Assassin's Creed 2 in, introduces all these different weapons is one by one. Now, hmm. I just wonder, if it had been a bit braver and gone, here's at the start, all of them, go and, and, hmm. and, and see how it goes, then hmm. maybe you wouldn't get into this mindset where you think, oh, well, this one's better than the one I've been using before. I'll just start right. using this one now. Um, 
which is how I, I, I ended up being. Now, be- mm. before I get, to, I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm making the game out to be very bad. Um, <laughs> like if you, what's good about it? What's good about it? Again, just to get into this idea, the, the, the places you are playing in are some of the most unique, exciting locations you'll play in the video game this year. Like uh, the the fact that they've taken that step forward and managed to make all these cities feel different. They're not just different colours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they actually have personalities. Their, their architecture is distinct. Like you know, you'll you'll see the the really vivacious, exciting architecture of Florence, and you'll see this right. like romanticism about Venice, which is is not really uh, it's a bit fabricated, but whatever. Like it's right. It, it's really really quite exciting to to explore these things for the first time. Um, the story is like I said, better. They've stopped sending you to the to the modern bit all the time, which was one of the worst things the first game did because it yes. was it was so much worse than the, <laughs> than the uh, historical parts of the game. Uh, there is a lot to, uh, of sort of side quests, um, but the biggest the biggest thing the bi- best thing this game does is because the first game was so guilty of not introducing context and story into its missions. Like you just felt like uh, it was a very formulaic approach to every single chapter. You just had to go talk to some guy, kill some guy, steal something from some guy, and then unlock the the final mission. It was terrible. Right? Yeah. It was it was disastrous design mission right. design. In this one, even it's not actually like all that different. It, it, mm. You know, you are there is a still a kind of formulaic nature to how you approach each thing. But they've introduced context. You feel like everything you're doing is a part of this story. So, like, you you come into the city and you uh, you need to get some contacts. You need to uh, uh, just kill the guy you're tracking, whatever. Like, it's all part of a larger thing, which feels like it's leading towards the the final mission. Right. Uh, so, there's enough of a drive within the narrative, within the plot, to ignore the fact that you are maybe doing quite basic, repetitive gameplay. So in a way, again, you can compare it to Batman in the way that it integrated each villain into the overall story. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, that's good. Now, one comparison that I'm, I'm not really sure I want to make, but I will just for for the sake of argument. Um, is this game like Ghostbusters? <laughs> I haven't played where... Ghostbusters, I'm afraid. But you, you, you yeah, explain to me what it, I mean, it, what it it's, is. Yeah, it's, you're doing it for the city, you're doing it for the setup, you're doing it to see all these cool places and to, 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 to make it to this point that, you know, you get to experience all that the game has where, you know, you're still doing the same repetitive stuff over and over and over again to get to that point. Does it feel like a chore at points to get to the, to the cool stuff? Or is it more of a, you know, is it enjoyable to play moment to moment? It's basically what I'm saying. It's a, it's a really, it's a really good question. Um, okay. I wrote in, in my blog post that it just about stops from feeling like a grind. Um, there's, there's just enough in in terms of the way that the AI moves about, um, in the way that some buildings are slightly differently structured from other ones. That just about makes you explore the different ways of, of killing people. It's not nearly enough. Don't get me wrong, it, it should be much more, but there is right. there are, there is enough there that you can get sucked in by the story. Okay. Um, which is definitely the best part of this game. The story, the setting, the, the mm-hmm. context within each mission, a much, much better job than last time. But uh, 92 Metacritic, I, I'm, I am baffled by that. 
because it's not all it's not all that different from the first game. Hey, it's a quote unquote triple A release. They gotta get over nine for the most part. It, it yeah, come on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you accept it. <laughs> what, on that note, you know, Ubisoft Montreal's like you know three times bigger the development team, whatever, or you know yeah. twenty times the budget, whatever. All these stupid facts we heard. Yeah, they still can't do an ending. That big development team still can't do an ending to a video game. <laughs> they got to set it up for the third one. Come on. Uh, it's supposed to be like that. Right. I, 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 the actual climax of the story, uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but it, the climax is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end of the end of the plot is good. There's the, the, okay. the, the, I was peaked, my interest was peaked for the third game. Unfortunately, the denouement, the, the stuff that happens after that climax before the game actually ends... Uh, mm is a terrible, terrible sequence of stuff in the future. There's just this useless passage of play where uh, you, you're in the future, you're knocking about some some lackeys and uh, terrible voice acting from the evil bad guy from the first game, and then uh, darkness credits, a bit of talking, end of game. And you're just there going, you know what? Ended it ten minutes earlier, I would I'd actually be tempted to start thinking about this game in much higher regard, but that's enough of a bad ending to definitely make Aww. it certain that there's nothing to nothing to make this game a classic. Like, I just don't At know. Least it, it doesn't just end like the first one. Did. You know, it, in, to his credit, it's a much better ending than the first okay. game. The first one was probably the worst ending of all. Time. I, I, w- I would go. I would agree with you. I mean, it's just the thing. You look at Assassin's Creed and Prince of Persia, and then. Assassin's Creed 2, and I just wonder, like, what what are Ubisoft Montreal doing with their endings? I just really they they are actually beginning to get a reputation for having terrible <laughs> endings to video games. You have to throw the last Splinter Cell in there too, that ended on a complete cliffhanger. And they, since they quote reworked the game that was supposed to happen after that, I don't even know what this new one's going to start. <laughs> that's that's good enough for us Splinter Cell fans. We're kind of on the limbo right now. We have no clue what's going on with the, with the story of that series. Well, let's hope conviction um, actually ends properly. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. All right, so here's the real question. The first game, in a way, was kind of like the building blocks to make this game better. Yeah. Do you feel like the second one is the building blocks to make the best game of all time in the third one? The problem they will have in the third game is that the novelty of this setting is gone. The novelty mm. of I am doing badass stuff in history is going to have gone by the third game. Okay. So... Uh, Again, like I said, if this was the if this was the first game, we might be talking about one of the best video game series, you know, ever. Right. But unfortunately, the increment in uh, increment what's the word? Increments. Incremental. Incremental. <laughs> Incrementation. <laughs> I like it. Go with that. In, the incrementations between <laughs> between the first and second one is uh, it, it's 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 very um, sizable. But um, it's not enough. It, it right. really needed to... This game needed to blow us out of the water. And it's mm. not done that. Okay. But a marked improvement. And worth playing, I assume. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's... it's um, You know, the first one uh, is an average game. This is a good game. Maybe not a great game, but it's certainly a good game. And I would... If anyone's on the fence because they played the first one and didn't like it, give the second one a chance. You won't, won't be disappointed. I've played something recently that is very new to me. 
know, I, I was one of those things, like I said in my, my review on our, our site, BigRedPotion.com, got a nice plug in there. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, I, I was always the kind of guy that was, like, playing, you know, the action games, the Marios and stuff. And I'm like, oh, why do those nerds play D&D and, you right. know, stuff like Baldur's Gate and stuff like EverQuest? I'm like, oh, it's so stupid. Why would anyone want to play that? Which I'm sure is something that you used to play, right? So, yeah. I, I might have been playing a bit of Baldur's Gate and yeah. EverQuest. But, uh, <laughs> Nerd. You know what? I never played. Um, I never played D and D. So yeah, okay. I I I, I, I play my D and D on computer games. That makes me <laughs> really cool. <laughs> All right, a D and D free podcast is very good. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of I don't know the the whole medieval setting never really appealed to me for whatever reason. That's why I never played Oblivion, which I, I know I'm going to get staked for that. But um, well, I mean, just to just to say, I, I, you know, it's not. It, it, we shouldn't understate the D and D thing because. The, the early Bioware games really were D&D heavy. You know? sure. It wasn't just it's a fantasy setting, it was fantasy setting with D&D rules. Right, I mean, everything about them was basically taken from that right. one for one directly and, and ported over, but um, you know, so I kind of had no I had no real interest in Dragon Age aside Oh, Dragon Age, I had that... no idea you were talking about Dragon Age. Really? Get out of here. It's something that I've been playing. It's called Dragon Age Origins. It's okay. on every console now except the Wii. Um, and PC also. And I, I, you know, I picked up Dragon Age and I, I gave it a shot because of Bioware, because I loved Mass Effect. It, it was the game that I had never really played RPGs at all, because I was one of those guys. Um, and then I tried the Penny Arcade game, which was like, you know what, this is pretty awesome. Then the Mass Effect came along, and then Fallout 3 kind of cemented me in there as an RPG player. It's funny, like and you. Uh, <laughs> I know. I, yeah. I I played Final Fantasy VII, so you got to at least give me okay. that. I did play it's that. It's just back the RPG the player in my head is going. They're not RPGs. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man! Penny Arcade Adventures. It's all. It is a pretty much uh, an RPG fantasy. Yeah, okay. it's fantastic. I love that series. They got to make the third one. So, um, I played this game kind of going into it as like completely fresh, completely new, not knowing what I was doing. I didn't really know too much about like the tactics of this kind of thing of you know casting certain spells to make yourself immune to certain things like i really had no concept of that because fallout didn't have any of that mass effect really didn't make you do that stuff so this is the first like i want to say real rpg like old like real medieval bioware old school style rpg yeah like that's the that's the word it's really the first kind of those that i played um and i i played through it um as an elf (laughs) <laughs> which is probably also a first. I don't think I've ever been an elf before. Uh, and it's good. It's real good. Wow. It's, um, you know, it's it's the kind of thing that they kind of take baby steps early on. Like, they, 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 a lot of the concepts, if you played Mass Effect, you'll be able to jump right into this one. Right. Because, you know, it's very similar in style. There's a lot of conversations. They, for some reason, they didn't bring back the, the conversation wheel, which blew my mind a little bit. But it's a very surprising exclusion, that one. I mean, that wheel was fantastic in Mass Effect. I don't really get that. It's it's just basic pick things off a menu like like every other game. But, I mean, the only, thing I, um, the only thing I could think is that, you know, that's they, they've been having the numbered... Uh, the numbered speech choices for a long time mm. in, in their sure. fantasy RPGs. They didn't want to mess people up. Right. Um, yeah, but I mean, the real unique twist with this one, and the, the reason why it's called Dragon Age Origins, um, is that basically you, you when you set up your character, you pick a, an origin story for them. Right. And that changes the first maybe three hours of the game. Okay. So uh, How really many cool, origins actually. are there, then? There's six. Oh, wow, okay. Now... I mean, it's restrictive. Like, if you pick a human female, you only get to choose one origin. There's only one open to you. 
because there's three races and obviously there's two sexes. Right. So like I picked a female elf and there was two choices for me to go for. Okay. So it's restricted based on what you pick, basically. But that's, there's still, but, in, in, in essence, six different ways yes. to start this game. There are six different ways to start, depending on the type of character that you choose, basically. So you have to, I guess, be, you know, a human and female elf, dwarf and human to actually see all six, okay. probably, anyway. Um, but, you know, I figured it would just be like one mission or so that would change. But no, it's not. It's a lot of stuff. So the the, the story, uh, I won't really spoil anything. I'm just going to say what happens in the first few hours. But the, the, the female elf story that I chose had my entire town get raided by humans. Because in this game, the elves are like the, the dirt of society. The humans can run right over the elves and they won't even say anything back about it. It's very interesting so, kind of a... Uh, yeah, it's a twist on the... Right, it's very cool. So the humans come in, they take all the women for their own pleasings, take them back to the castle, and um, basically the first time you get control is that you're stuck in this castle, surrounded by humans with no weapons, with about five other girls. And right away, you know, the Bioware style kicks in because they immediately ask you to make like three different decisions. Do you want to just try and run away? Do you want to try and save your friends that are in the different rooms? Do you want to grab a sword and try and kill the guards so that you can run around the place and, and do whatever you want? Um, and each choice has an effect. So uh, the choices that I made, I played it relatively safe until the point where I could get a weapon and, and go get my friends back, which I, I did. Um, and that led to several fatalities in my party. And... Interestingly, throughout the rest of the 26 hours that it took me to beat that game, those choices kept coming back to me. Right. Like, I would get, you know, uh, there was this dream sequence in the middle of the game, one of the missions, and in that dream sequence, one of the people that died was there. And they were talking to me about, you know, how could you let me die, and stuff like that. Wow. Like, I really wonder what would have happened there had I saved her. Like, what would that have dream sequence have been about? Right. And there's a couple of times where you'll go back to your town, which obviously has changed quite a bit because of what happened, because of, you know, basically what you, the choices that I made, I ended up killing everyone in that, in that castle. And those people went to my town for vengeance, the people that owned that castle. Right. Um, so it left like this mark on that town that, well, this town killed a whole bunch of humans. So now they're in trouble. Interesting. Um, yeah. And it, it's really narratively speaking, very cool stuff in there. And I, it's the kind of thing that, like, I've been speaking with Christos about it a little bit. Christos Reed has uh, been on the show a couple of times. <laughs> I, 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 if you've checked his blog, uh, forthegamergood.com, you see that he likes the game quite a bit. Uh, he's on my uh, Xbox 360 friends list. And, um, well, when I say he's on my Xbox 360 friends list, what I mean is I've not seen him not online playing this game in the last <laughs> two weeks. He is obsessed about this game. <laughs> He sent me a few uh, uh, notes over Xbox Live. He's like, dude, I've been playing this thing nonstop. I started every origin story. Like, he's literally <laughs> gone down the list and played this game enough times to see everything. He's got, I believe, if if not the full 1,000, he's got at least 900 oh, I'm sure he's got 1,250 somehow. <laughs> Crazy. He's, uh, I, I, I mean, like, in my playthrough, I didn't do many of the side quests. I did, uh, I did some of them, but I did all the main quests. I got about 400 points, just, just to put that into perspective. Right. And that's 26 hours of play. Well, I mean, we, you know, it, this is, uh, uh, and I guess, you know, with your background of not really playing Bioware games except, you know, Mass Effect, like, this right. is the first fantasy Bioware game since... Neverwinter Nights 2, I guess. And then that, well, no, I mean, that one, that, that was Obsidian, wasn't it? No. So it would be yes, Neverwinter Nights. 
The first one, yeah. They did KOTOR. Yeah, it was Neverwinter Nights. And that's years ago. This is like... This is a company which has built its reputation on fantasy RPGs, and it has been a while (laughs) since they made one. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm thinking maybe Icewind Dale, did that come off them? In either case, it's it's at least plus five years since they made a fantasy RPG. Oh, at least, yeah. That's why, I mean, I said in my review that I think that if you liked that kind of game you are going to fall in love with this instantly because everything in here is kind of built to be exactly what the you know medieval fantasy RPG lover likes. Right. Plus, there's this whole Origins thing, which I doubt had been done as in-depthly back then. I wouldn't know for personal No, I, they've never done anything like the Origins before, no. Right. I mean, you know, I'm sure people do replay these, these games, you know, to try out the different, uh, you know, character types to try out the different classes and stuff but I mean this is a real reason to replay this game is to see exactly where all these threads lead it's, it's interesting it sounds like to me and I I don't think it's a very fair comparison because it's probably not anything like it but it, it sounds similar to the kind of different starting zones you get in something like World of Warcraft which is sure. always a very big incentive to, for people to play all the different uh, races in that game and I Sure. It's interesting because, in theory, you'd sort of think, well, that's stupid because uh, once you've got out of the beginning area, you're playing the rest of the game. You'll, it's funny how many people you'll find with you know high-end characters of different races, and I, I mm. suspect it, 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 you know, if you listen, you know, if Christos is doing all the different origins, <laughs> they, there must be something to this. It must be, a, you know, a good introduction, just getting people to play the game more than once. Right. I mean, it, it, it actually, it does change a lot because, like, there's a couple of times in the game where your character will have, like, an attitudinal switch. Their tone will change a little bit. And I think that, in a way, that was affected by the more aggressive decisions that I had been making up until that point. Right. Like, I think there is a real, you know, I think the decisions really do all come into effect. I don't think it's just, like, a, a you, know, all, you know, binary de- uh, decision to make. I think it really all builds up in a way, kind of like Mass Effect did, where the decisions kind of did domino a bit in that game. But in this one, it's way more, way more uh, tangible. Okay. And I actually did start a second uh, origin story. I didn't play very far into it. I just wanted to see how different it was. And um, I started a, a female human. And uh, in that one, I mean, like the way that one of my NPC, I'm sorry, one of my my uh, allies was introduced was totally different. I got them way earlier in the game than I did as an elf. Right. Um, an important, really important character gets introduced to you immediately as opposed to whereas in the elves you meet that character maybe 10 hours in very interesting um so they really do switch things up i mean i, I can't even imagine what like the the whiteboard at bioware looks like where it's just <laughs> it's just this strand 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 of like the design doc for this game has to be 8,000 pages long because they had to you know, plan out exactly what decisions would lead to what path and stuff i i, I think it's great i mean i think it does for me it got repetitive i'll say that because the Again, I'm not used to the, you know I never played Neverwinter Nights, so I never really got into the whole Diablo like click 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 type thing. Right. Um, and that's what it basically becomes. It's you know you have your attack moves are time based, so you have to you know use it, wait till it restores, use it again. Like that's pretty much what it falls into. It's interesting to to have your perspective on it because you you clearly not coming from a typical background of playing mm. fantasy RPGs, and there is this kind of feeling of expectation upon this game you know expectation of Bioware to produce something to maybe help oh, yeah. you know and, and the fact that it's coming out on PS3 and 360 is still uh, important that it's good on the PC and that it's a strong PC video game and it's a strong old school RPG video game um, and some quarters Edge 
uh, in particular have not <laughs> have not been impressed. Um, mm. Like what I want, what I want to ask you is um, two questions. Then leading from that, I mean, if you get past all the exciting excitement of the origins and, and such, uh, and all the different ways that this game can can move about and and present different storylines, is there is there anything really of substance to the game? In, in beyond that, and 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 leading from that, as coming as someone coming to it from Mass Effect, how confusing was it to switch to a more <laughs> old school RPG? <laughs> you have no idea. Um, I mean, one of my primary complaints is that they don't really give you the tutorial is okay. I understood most of it, but there were a couple of things like I, you can't resurrect characters in this game. Right. Like if they die in battle, that's it. I didn't know that. I thought that I was just missing it, pretty much. They never actually explained that fact to you. And um, and they also don't explain the fact that if you build a mage up enough, she can actually resurrect people. Right. Which I didn't find out until after I beat the game. Like, there's a lot of little stuff like that where they kind of expect you to either, A, know it, because I'm assuming that other games in the past have always followed this certain track. Right. Um, or, B, figure it out on your own based on the very hefty menu-based system that's in the game. Right. I mean, the the start menu, it has about eight or nine different uh, pages. Okay. Different things you can look at. Um, and to me, that was not confusing, but it was something that, like, I knew what everything did, and I used everything on there, but I didn't go above and beyond to try and understand the things that I didn't know. Okay. So, going, again, going back from that to that, to that first question, is there anything really of substance beyond... This this origins and, and different storylines idea that they've been com- uh, culminating. Yeah, I think that I th- I think that you can go into Mass Effect wanting just a decent action game and you can get it. Right. I think you can actually enjoy that game based on the the combat and that kind of stuff without even worrying about like the actual story and stuff like that. I think you can actually enjoy that game. I don't think you can enjoy this one going into it as a hack and slash action game type of thing. Okay. You have to want to explore this game. Okay. And the um like they they built a really interesting world. It's not just dungeon after dungeon. It's not just this, you know, fighting the same ogres over and over. It actually they built a really cool um like the main there's like maybe five or six main story quests that you have to go on to get to the end point. And all of those kind of have a twist to them. Right. Um it's not just go here and kill everybody until they go. It's like you go to this dwarf village and they're like there are werewolves coming into this town, killing people every day. We can't even think about helping you until you kill those werewolves. Right. And then you go to the werewolves, and they're like, we're not killing them. We're just trying to talk to them and get the antidote. They're the ones that gave us this werewolf disease. Right. Like, th- this stuff like that, they're, you know, it's not just, you know, it's not linear. It's, it's kind of a weird thing where you have to then make a really big decision about what you're going to do. And the actual exploration aspects, there's always something unique in the game. It's not just a, a forest, a dungeon, a town. It's, hey, you're going into this tower. Oh, now you're in this crazy, weird dream sequence type of thing. Or when you go underground, it's not just like a dirty cavern. It's a freaking Tomb Raider-like cave right. thing that you have to get through. There's always something weird about the way Dragon Age progresses. And it never really gets to the point where you're grinding. Um, Which is good. Or you feel like you're bored. Yeah, it, 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 it's well built. That's why, I mean, I assume 25 hours isn't really that long to play an RPG like this. Right, no. I'm sure Neverwinter and Diablo were much longer. Yeah. Actually, no, Neverwinter um, Nights was actually, it's actually quite short. It's more, they're, they're bold escape games, which could really mm. go on and on and on. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, I think this one was built more for, you know, core. The good stuff that's in there, the actual main quests, are all pretty damn good. Um, and you could beat it pretty fast, but you're going to enjoy all that time. And then you could jo- totally jump right back into it and play it again as a different character. Um, I think that the game holds merit. I think there is enough in here to that the casual RPG player would like and that the long-time RPG player would love. Um, but I do think that if you are like me, that the person that's never really played this kind of thing before, I think a rental would probably be the best choice because uh, it's, it's 50-50. I think most people will probably like it, but I think some will really hate it. Right. because it's not an action game in any way, shape, or form. I mean, this is one of the things that I, I was going to ask you, and I don't think I will, because I think you've, you've kind of explained it there, is that um, presentation-wise, people who play Mass Effect, will, you know, that was a, quite a cinematic game, actually, in, in many mm. respects, especially because the, the conversation wheel. Um, it didn't really feel as gamey as how Dragon Age felt to me the brief time right. I played it. Uh, Eurogame Expo, it was immediately like, oh, this is an engine. This is definitely a okay. game engine with uh, with people who are going to stare vacantly if I leave them and, yeah. and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it, not that Mass Effect didn't have that, but it, it felt more cinematic than what Bioware and Nick have done in the past. And uh, Dragon Age to me didn't feel that way. But, uh, it, 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 what I'm trying to get at is that this is kind of, a, a, a like you said, a gamer's game more than anything. It's a. It feels like a, a couple year old PC game at times. Right. Um, but I don't think that it really matters in this one's case. Interesting. Okay. I think we. I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the morality system in this game, because sure. it's really interesting. Um, do you want to explain it? How how the morality works? Because uh, you know, going back to when we talked about on the show about morality and how games tend to follow very standard good evil neutral ways of playing through morality. How, how does the morality work in Dragon Age? Well, there's no... It's not like Mass Effect or Fallout where there's like a bar on screen that tells you whether or not you're good or evil. Um, basically, the decisions that you make, um, it, it makes your partners either love or hate you more. They have meters, essentially. Um, so if I keep making evil decisions, for example, um, the people in my party that are good inherently will start to hate me. And if I get them to a certain point, they will try and kill me in my sleep or something like that. Like I, uh, one of my characters, uh, he was a, a an elf. He was a, I'm sorry, he was a thief. He was very dark in a way. Uh, and I kept making good decisions towards the end. And um, what he ends up doing in my case was um, when we were on our way to a big important battle, he stood in front of a door and all of his friends came out of everywhere and attacked me. And the only choice, really, that I was given at that point was kill him and keep going or, you know, fall to his men. Um, and I think that's really interesting. I've never really played a game where every, well, not everyone, but most people in your party are, you know, their relationship with you is very tenuous. Um, they will not put up with your shit if you give them any reason to, you know, think about their decisions and think about where they are with you. Um, and that's really the the main place that the morality takes place and of course the world itself does change and there are a couple it, there is some um you know we talked about uh, in the games in the past like how there's many decisions that are black or white this game definitely has a lot of shades of gray with a lot of the decisions like the the biggest decision in the game which i won't really talk about but that one i couldn't really see what the clear winner was what the clear best choice was there 
and I ended up thinking I made the wrong decision, but in the end, I did make the right one. It's it's very cool the way that it doesn't just fall into that, you know, oh, this guy is evil and he's twirling his mustache, that type of thing. It's 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 kind of real in a way um, like that, and and they it's done well enough that you don't actually you know see through it and see, oh, well, I have to make a good choice or an evil choice now. Um, like that scenario I, I talked about earlier with the werewolves and the uh, the dwarves, there's really no clear you, you don't really know who to trust in that case it could be that one is trying to dupe you into thinking that the other party is evil so making that decision is is kind of hard and i i liked that part of it it's interesting because actually it's a, it is an extension of what they did in something like Baldur's gate 2 um Baldur's gate 2 you did what you did would affect your party similarly um you know if you if you did certain acts evil that might uh, certain members in your party might approve it, certain uh, members might not. But the difference is, is that there was this... You, you, When you started the game, you aligned yourself as being good, you know, the old D&D tropes, chaotic good, uh, or right. lawful good, and whatever. So it almost like there's, there's still this pressure to act good, because otherwise you lose your good status. Um, mm. And... To, to hear them, you, you say that you're saying that they've discarded this, they've focused it on this party-based morality... Right. Like that's very positive for me to hear because I think like that that sounds like them casting off these D and D shackles, which I feel in many respects have held back Bioware games from maybe getting mass appeal, you sure. know. And and it, it sounds like that this is what they're, you know bring it to PS3 and 360. Bioware are, are are expanding their horizons. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a you know as as much as it is a game that you kind of have to be of a certain type to truly enjoy. Right. I think that as long as you're open, I, I think much like how Oblivion kind of crossed over and became the game that everyone can play regardless of, you know, how hardcore, quote unquote, you are with that type of right. game. I think this could kind of tap into that also. Like I actually, uh, because I'm really not that adept with um, with RPG type combat and using spells and stuff like that, I switched the uh, combat difficulty casual during a few of the battles. And it actually is very comfortable to play on that level. Right. So I think that... I think, in a way, you, this game could be enjoyed by most people, unless you're the person that only plays Modern Warfare 2 and stuff like that. I don't think that kind of person would get anything out of this game. But uh, were, were they ever the, going to? No, it's not an instant action experience. It's not something that you, you drop into the game and you're having fun within 30 seconds. It's more of a slow build. And, uh, you know, much like most of Bioware's games, because I think Mass Effect didn't really mm. take off for about three hours or so. Um, but... As I said before, if this is the kind of game that you want, you do not have to buy anything else this, this <laughs> fall. If this is the game, you could play Christos. Ask Christos Reed what he thinks about this game, or even go to his blog, forthegamergood.com, and read his thoughts on this it's, game. Because It's much safer to go to his blog. <laughs> yes, go to his blog, uh, because he expressed things way better than I have, and uh, he fully understands why this game is as special to a lot of people as it is. And um, and as I've said a couple of times, this game is definitely worth at least trying for most of you, even though it is kind of a time sink, which is something that most people don't really want at this point in time. I almost wish they'd release it in the spring, to be totally honest with you. Right. I mean, I'm sure we'll have Crystal's back on the show, and I, I have a heavy suspicion he'll mention the game then. Um, <laughs> what, what I'll do is I'll post a link in the show notes to his to his post. Yes. And I'll also post one to uh, Brad Calloway's thoughts on Assassin's Creed 2 so that people can get a, a feeling for Brad's disdain for, for maybe the opposite view of uh, Assassin's Creed 2. Um, but, you know, you, you've hit nail on the head I'm going to get this game. The reason why I haven't is because I know it will suck my life away. So, uh, 
December, maybe, but now dangerous, okay. dangerous, dangerous. <laughs> okay. To be fair, like I, I have no interest in going back to it now that I'm done with it. Right. Just because that's that's me. I've had my fill of the medieval RPG type of thing, but I think I will be more open to it if they if another one does come out that's somewhat interesting or has an, a unique boys. idea like the origins thing I in this. I would probably woods. give. It I shit. hate subways. I hate small towns. I hate stairs. I hate elevators. I hate train yards. I hate Ayn Rand. I hate tunnels. I hate hospitals. And doctors and lawyers and cops. A little something for everyone. From the serious analysis of Big Red Potion to the fun but well informed GamerDork UK. GamerDork, 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 GamerDork. Find like minded comment. Keep your hobby alive. Gaming bargains to help keep your hobby alive. There's one of the best and friendliest communities on the internet. And if you're one of us mature gamers, Find like-minded comment. I don't hate this. You know what I don't hate? You know what I don't hate? You know what I don't hate? I don't hate this. So we should get you back into more sort of your your kind of thing, which are zombies, shooting. Shooting's good. I like shooting. Okay, so let's talk some Left 4 Dead 2. Left 4 Dead 2. I've been playing that also. And I have too. Uh, we, we, played a, okay. we played a game together, actually. We did. We played through Dark Carnival together, which was a lot of fun. I had the most epic finale I've actually had in the Left 4 Dead game. It was All right, incredible. I, I, <laughs> uh, I mean, there are so many stories that can be told from Left 4 yes. Dead, because it's that kind of mm-hmm. game. But Sinan's and I was uh, was was quite the finale of. I mean, pretty much, just to say that what was it? Everything was on fire yes. at that point. Okay, everything was on fire. I was on the safe helicopter. I was I was good, and Sinan ran like a Stallone type action hero through the fire to make it to the helicopter in just the nick of time. As the zombies were what on his feet as the at tank was coming up to the helicopter. Yeah, the <laughs> tank was running into the helicopter at that point in time. So I feel like we've kind um, of given away our feelings a little bit on this game. Um, it's real good. It is very very good. It's, it's a very good, good game. Uh, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I played the hell out of the first one. Okay. Um, because it was, you know, I, I'm not a huge multiplayer guy, but this one was so different. It was the cooperative, um, not even just cooperative. Like, it actually, it had that, you had that camaraderie in there with your friends that, like, oh, my God, we have to cooperate or we're going to die. We can't shoot each other. We can't take each other's guns. We can't do all the stupid stuff that we do in most other first-person shooters. We actually have to unite against this common enemy that will slaughter us in five seconds if we don't do everything right. Well, I think you, na- you um, nailed it on the head you, with the very first word you used, you know, cooperative. We talk, when we talk about cop games, we, we talk about things like Gears of War and Army of Two and stuff, and right. it's like, that's not actually really cop, is it? Like, no, you, that's playing with someone exactly, else. Exactly, where it is this, if you do not cooperate, you are right. screwed. Right. So, you know, I mean, there was a lot of controversy about this one, about how you know, much of an expansion pack it is. And stuff like that. And the, which... and the whole, uh, the uh, protest and the, uh, the yeah, campaign. Yeah, I mean, the, the hullabaloo that went around this game. Um, and, um, I, you know, I just finished the, all five campaigns. I played a lot of the multiplayer. Uh, 
you know what? F that. It's really good. It's still good. <laughs> it's great. I love this game. It's the, the problem. The problem with talking about its worth. I don't like that. Um, I understand why people would be concerned. Obviously, it took a year to make. There's. It's kind of just more, more, more of what was good last year. But, I mean, in the same way that Assassin's Creed 2 is kind of what the first game should have been, this is pretty much the same thing. Like, had this been the first game, this would have been, like, the best game of, of last year for a lot of people. Um, and it's definitely, you know, I, I, you have to take a little bit off of it because it isn't the first game. This is their second try. And if you own the first game, you feel kind of cheated because, well, this is the game that you wanted in the first place. It's... To, to say that it's everything that the first thing did the first game did right blown completely open and made so much better is an understatement. So what, what actually makes it better than the first game? Because the cynic, I'll, rep, I'll represent the devil's advocate. I'll represent the cynic. The Go cynic will, would be saying all they've done is added a few new maps, they've right. added a few new modes, they've right. uh, given new characters, they've added a mm-hmm. bunch of melee weapons, mm-hmm. a few new enemies, mm-hmm. uh, a few new weapons, right. but if you take all that away, this is the mm-hmm. same source engine that Valve have been sure. using in all their games. It's getting a bit outdated. 2004. Right. The concept is the same. The, uh, there's not maybe that much variety in in the gameplay except for maybe the finales. Uh, right. Is this not just an expansion pack? I will say no. Okay. Because... Let's start on everything that they've added to this game. So, you know, if you look at something like, say, Halo 2, I'll pick that out of the, the cat, because that one, very much so, I just said pick that one out of the cat. What the f- I, I, is wrong that's... with me? I'm, just let that one go. Just let it go. <laughs> hey, all right, so Halo 2, a game that I love, by the way. I can't I, let that I, one I, go. I, I, <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, we have the name for this week's episode. Pick that one out of the cat. Uh, <clears throat> So Halo 2 is a game that I love. I put hundreds of hours into that game. Uh, It was really a lot of fun back when it came out. But that game really was just a lot more of what worked in the first one. They added new maps. They added new guns. It didn't really change the flow of the game. Because everything you did was essentially the same. I mean, the one change in that game was that the vehicles exploded, which did actually affect the way that some games would play out. But in the end, it didn't really do a whole lot. I will say that everything in Left 4 Dead 2 that they did add changes the way the game is played a little bit. So the melee weapons, which I initially thought would be a very minor inclusion, I just assumed it would be, I mean, I'm still going to use the guns, right? Why would I use, you know, the the machete when I could just blow things away with the guns? The melee weapons in this game solve a huge problem from the first one. In the first game, you'd get swarmed by zombies a lot. You'd get covered in them, and you could not get out of them once you were covered with them. That's it. You have to wait till, you have to either just spin around in circles shooting your gun, or you have to hope that someone will you know, throw a pipe bomb on the floor and get them off of you. In this game, the melee weapons instantly solve that problem. You pull out your baseball bat, and you just start chucking away. And within seconds, you're broken out of that pack, and you're running. You're back to full speed running again. So the pacing becomes a lot faster because you're not getting stopped by the horde as much. And it, it gets less frustrating because, I mean, there were a lot of times in the first game where I had you know, 10 health. I'd get caught by a horde. I wouldn't be able to make it to the the room in front of me to get behind cover, and I would get pulled down to the floor, and that would be it. In this game, I could literally pull out my axe, spin around, and chop 25 heads off and get moving. And I think that that little extra speed that you get there, that little – the ability to get through a problem that was a big 
problem in the first one that kind of added to the helplessness in the first one is a huge makes a huge difference and it adds a lot to the way that you play because you're not as scared of the horde right i will say well there's, there's certainly an, uh, an emphasis on not it not being a horror game last you know last left for dead one was very much a, a you know people's i've heard people say it's not i think it's a survival mm. horror game I don't really, sure. I don't really care for the opinion that because it's cooperative, it's not. Um, it's all about surviving. Yeah, that's it. Right. Whereas this one, there's this, just this edge of silliness throughout the whole thing, which just seems to make it's more like a, a silly Romero take on the oh, whole thing than God. you know, like an actual survival horror game to me. I mean, they've embraced the thing that I love the most about the first one. And, you know, in the first one, like, all the scenarios were kind of serious. There was, like, the apartment building. There was the, the airport. Nothing was really silly in any way, shape, or form, except the characters. Because while you're even, going even through even then, these... they followed uh, horror movie tropes. Oh, sure. But, like, you kind of got that enjoyment out of the game because, you know, Lewis... I mean, uh, because Bill was being a cranky old man and because... Uh, Francis was saying that he hates everything around like that little the humor in that yeah. is what was probably one of my favorite things about playing the first Absolutely. game. And this game not only did they embrace that but they added that to everything. Right. So it's not just the characters which the characters in this game two of them in particular are absolutely fantastic. Oh wow, we disagree. I I really? I think the characters are actually the weakest part of this game. So you don't enjoy coach. I just don't I just don't get it. Um, See, the camaraderie between Coach and Ellis, I think, is the best part of this game. I, 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 I don't know if it's just that, uh, before, you, not to judge you, sorry, I mean, just to quickly get out, I'm not sure if it's just because I haven't played it enough yet, and, mm. uh, you know, I've played Left 4 Dead a lot, and I really spent a lot right. of time with those characters, and it's all about learning about it. What, what I will say from my from the off um, is that I think, in a visual way, the design is, is a lot worse than the design of the, of the four characters because as you could get those four characters just by looking at them in Left 4 Dead like you could tell that Bill was a Vietnam soldier you could tell that uh, Zoe right. was a college girl you could tell Louie was this office worker and you look at the, the four characters from from Left 4 Dead 2 okay coach yes you could probably tell Nick a gambler uh, oh I, Nick and Rochelle are pretty terrible right I, I, Rochelle there's no there's nothing defining about right. her um, Ellis, right. like, I think, yeah, you could probably tell a lot about Ellis and the way he's dressed <laughs> and, and how he, you know, immediately the first time he talks. But, um, you know, it's just not quite that instant understanding of, of these four guys that I had in, in the first game. Well, the first game's characters were much better. Right. I'll say that much. But I think that, um, have you played single player at all in this game? I have, yeah. Okay. I think you get a lot more out of it when you play single player. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because you don't have people like the there's game there was in the last, or at least a lot more unique conversation. Um, Ellis will tell stories, like, a lot. Um, and Coach will say these random, like, just... Yes. Like, he's kind of aggravated to be in the situation that he's in, and he just... He doesn't really want to deal with it. He's just like, oh, whatever, I gotta do this shit. Um, and that's what I love about Coach. He's just, he's just, he's just stuck there, pretty much, with these people that he doesn't really want to be with. Um, and they... They, you get a lot of that in single player. You get to actually hear what they're saying and understand it. And um, and if you know, depending on what character you're playing as, uh, like if Coach activates the uh, the end of game, you know, big moments, for example, like you'll hear him talking to like the the there's like in the fifth level, there's a radio you can talk to, and you know, depending on which character activates it, you get a different line of dialogue basically, and um, you get a little bit into the right. characters that way, a little bit more into them anyway than you would just by running around with them because uh, they, they get into their personalities a bit when they're talking to others. 
I think Coach and Ellis are really fun characters. I think they're going to grow on you. Yeah, play a little you, bit more. you may well be right. The one thing I, I do really like is that there is this progression in the story from the yes. first chapter to the final chapter. Like in the yes. first story, they all don't know each other and they're introducing to each other, you know, that lift. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't really know what the different zombies are. So they're using all these weird terms to, you know, describe them. Right. Like uh, the tongue guy for the smoker or, <laughs> you know, like uh, uh, Rochelle's like really shocked by the jockey when right. she first uh, encounters it. And then by the fifth game, they've all developed the, the fifth chapter, sorry, they've developed these names for them. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's one of those kind of little touches which you just didn't really need to be there, but it, right. it shows Valve's class. It's uh, Valve. Yeah. I mean, that's what they do. I mean, if you read the little scrollings on the wall, I was laughing out loud <sighs> just... before over some of the stuff that's written on the walls in this genius. game. Very, it's fantastic. It's, um, and that's the thing, like, the, the, the whole thing, the whole thing about this one is that they've they've totally embraced the fact that you know you're you're gonna this is an enjoyable experience. It's not a horror game, where the first one kind of wrote a line, I suppose. Like mm. all the scenarios in the first game took stuff from popular horror movies. Like of course there was the airport, yeah. there was the uh, the apartment building, there was the alleyway, that kind of stuff. This game is like, hey, let's make the most ridiculous shit that we could possibly think of and put it into this game. There's uh, a carnival, which is fantastic. I think I think the carnival is my favorite. Of the chapters I've played, really, yeah. There, um, there is a level. I don't think you played this one yet. You didn't play the rain level, right? That's the only one I've not played. Okay, there is a in that level, the rain gets so heavy that you can't see more than ten feet in front of your face. Right. Wow. And that adds so much to it because that actually adds some horror into the game because you don't know what's there, oh, and wow. they do these ridiculous things like I forget which level it's in, but there is a witch factory at some point in this game. There is a building that is full of witches. Right. And you know that that was just put there with you know the designers giggling about how everyone is going to hate this part because <laughs> there's so much trouble to be found in that level. And there's a couple other ones too. There's like a car park in the last in the parish where uh, anything you shoot will set off an alarm. Anything. Right. And you just have to kind of grit your teeth and pull out your melee weapon and hope that everyone in your party can behave for five minutes to get through this sequence without doing something stupid. Absolutely. And, I, I, I'm not sure if it's the if it's the Carnival one that ends in the in the big mansion where you've got the but no it's swamp fever where you're right. in the big mansion and, and yes and uh, every single time I've played that I have been assaulted by tanks in that final mission <laughs> it's just been tank 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 right. tank and uh, you know there does seem to be this kind of theme with the finales now like they they it's, less, it's not it's not quite the, they've removed the variation but you can expect certain things mm. to happen each time sure but they've done. Cool. They've done so many different things with the finales in this one. That's that's another one of my favorite things about this game. Oh, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in the first game, it was pretty much just wait here until the you know the vehicle comes to pick you up. Mm. Like, that was it. And in this game, they're all really different. Yeah. And they are I – mean, I don't want to spoil any of them because they should be experienced, you know, for the first time when you play them because they're all really – I mean, there is one in this game that is like the first game where you have to wait for something. To yes. pick you up, but the other four are all really different and really cool. I mean, let's go, let's go into the first one because um, you know b- people probably do know about it, and, and sure. I most people have played it. The the, the first one set in a, it starts off in a apartment building, sure, uh, and then eventually no, I'm not sure if it's apartment building that's linked to a shopping center, but that's where you end up anyway. I don't even um, want to just before we even get into that. Like it starts off very much like the first game where you're in an apartment mm. building, but then all of a sudden the apartment building is on fire for no yes. reason. And that adds so much to it, because not only can you not see, but now there are these new infecteds, which we didn't even talk about yet, but the new infecteds that you don't know what they do yet. This is the first time you're seeing these things, and they're running at you on fire, 
yes. with these new abilities that you don't know how to stop yet. Like the first time I was jumped on by a jockey, which is the, this this new type of special infected, I didn't have a clue what was going on, and I was on fire at the time. <laughs> so it it just added so much to it. Like such a great little touch that they threw in there to make you immediately let you know that no, this game is not going to be what the first game was mm. as far as the level design goes. Absolutely. So yeah, at, at the end of this of this first chapter, you end up in a shopping center, and there's a, a car which mm. requires you to fill it up with a certain amount of uh, gas, a uh, right. bottle of gas. Right. And so you, you're basically like s- desperately scavenging around this <laughs> this uh, giant like three-story shopping center mm. um, for these these bottles of gas while the infected are like <laughs> coming from every single direction and this 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 area is full of little corridors. Mm-hmm. You know, little doors where they can come from. It's not like there's one or two. There are like no. 20 of these little corridors, which you just know where you can account for all of it. And um, it's, what's it's great a, about... It's okay. chaos. It's, it's great. Chaos. I mean, what's fantastic about that scene is that that's one of the few times where they encourage you to split up because mm-hmm. you all have to get to these gas cans. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, and you have to split... They're all like... Literally, they're on multiple floors. So you have to each break up and go to a different floor to get them all in the least amount of time possible. Yet... You're so exposed when you're by yourself in that game. There's nothing you could do if one of the, what, eight or nine different types of special infected grabs you. Mm. So it really becomes this, like, radically weird new experience in a Left 4 Dead game that, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. I have to grab these things. I have to try and figure out what's going on. There's things everywhere. And um, it really reinforces the fact that this game just isn't more right. of what you like. It does feel different. Okay. And that's what I like about it. Well, I will say my one my one criticism I had regards that was I the first time I did that particular chapter I did it in mm-hmm. single player, and uh, the AI of your your teammates is still frustrating in that it won't help you with these kind of things. Right. You're you're the one going about having to, you know get all these gas bottles on your own or right. whatever. And, to be fair, they, it, they they do heal you a lot and they oh, do yeah, take yeah, care yeah, of yeah. you. The, the AI isn't bad. Like I thought it was going to be kind of okay because I heard some if he thinks about the AI. The AI actually will do a lot for you. They'll kill guys, they'll pull, if you're getting stuck by one of them, they'll grab them, they'll pull them off you. They'll give you health and stuff. So playing through single player in this game, I mean, don't be, I would recommend it. Because you really can't get a lot of the story touches without playing it by yourself. Oh yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I would just, I would expect a little bit more sure. from from the AI, I think. You know, it's particularly with these, when you've introduced these new kind of finales, which it's, it just it feels a bit it loses a bit of its impact when you're doing all these things in your own. Having said right. that, you know, this game is not meant to be played in single player. This game is <laughs> no. played with friends, so it's not no, a, no, huge, no. a huge complaint. No, not at all. Um, but, you know, we could we could go into every single of the of the new things they've added. I mean, what what I, I, I think is important is to, to get this, this, this point you're saying, that it's not that there's all this new stuff. It's that they have tweaked things right. enough that it feels new. As I said before, like Halo 2 and, and a lot of high, you know, concept sequels kind of just feel like they're adding on to things. Like Modern Warfare 2 is a great example of the multiplayer in that game. They really just added to it. Right. It does not feel like a new game at all, which is why I really haven't been playing it that much. Um, this game feels different. Right. It's not a tangible thing. It's not something where you can look at a, sh- a sheet of all the stuff they added and say and see it. You cannot, really, because it just looks like more of the same. Right. But when you play it, the first time you play it, the first campaign that you go through, you'll know right away that this game is a different game. Okay. And I mean, I'm, I'm completely in agreement with you. Right. With you. I, I, I need to play more of it myself, but 
you know, like, I, I think I left a tweet to, to someone else earlier this week that I said, even if it, this is Left 4 Dead 1.5, mm. which is what, it's a horrible term to, to use, yeah. but even if it is, if that is accurate in any way, shape or form, like, I will take it because I'm still mm. having lots of fun with this game, which Absolutely. is surely the most important thing. I would say that if you, all right, if longevity isn't really the thing that you want, if you're not going to look to play a multiplayer game for the next year, I would not say that any other multiplayer game this fall is as fun as Left 4 Dead 2 is. There you go. But, obviously, longevity is really important to a lot of people. Well, um, let's get a scope of how good you think it is. Do you think it's a contender for Game of the Year? It is definitely one of my favorite games of the year so far. There you go. I mean, that's it, that, that seems like a, a huge unlikeliness from where we were talking about Left 4 Dead like six months ago. Like, worried that this game was going to really flounder. I loved the first one deeply. It was it was probably my fourth or fifth favorite game of last year. Very high up. Um, and I wasn't looking forward to this. Because it just felt like I've already played 50 hours of this. I don't really want to play it anymore. You know, I'm, I'm done with that. I kind of want to move on to something new. Um, and this, it, it, I mean, I played through all five campaigns this week. I played some multiplayer. I am so back into this. It's not even funny. I am ready <laughs> to put another 50 hours into this game. I, I Right now, I want to play it. Oh, hang on, let's, let's, let's do the rest of the show. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> you can do it without me. I'm going to go play Left 4 Dead 2. Close it up. Uh, I, okay, I well, okay. <laughs> one last question, one last question. Right. Like, it's December next year, Valve will release on Left 4 Dead 3. Is there any way that can work? I think that if any team could do three back-to-back sequels, or two back-to-back sequels, I think that Valve could probably pull it off. I don't want it to happen. I don't think it will happen. I think that they'll put it in the cooker some more and maybe even come up with a new source engine during that time. Yeah, so uh, I just want to thank everyone for kind of, you know, putting up with the fact that we've been missing for the past month for the most part. Um, but I, that shouldn't be happening again because things are just calming down now. Everything's yeah. going good. So uh, look forward to weekly Big Red Potions again um, for the foreseeable future. And um, and thanks, y'all, for listening, I guess. Go play some games. Play Left 4 Dead 2 with me. Yes. Do you want to give listeners your, your game attack? Yeah, sure. It's Slam, S-L-A-M, space, Vanderhuge, V-A-N-D-E-R-H-U-G-E. I will be playing it a lot. If anyone, for some reason, wants to play with me, uh, no, SH. Okay, never mind. No, it's uh, S-H-O-I-N-A-N. There you go. Uh, and I think that is it. So, look out for us next Monday. Uh, happy Thanksgiving yes, to happy all the American people. Yep, good stuff. Yep, enjoying killing turkeys and stuff. Is that That's why you do this holiday, isn't it? Turkeys? Go America! Yeah. Uh, and... Yeah, like I said, look out for the schedule, go up on the site on Monday, and otherwise, enjoy your week, and we will talk to you next Monday. And be excellent to each other. Very, very good. (laughs) (laughs) We did one, and it was a monster. Damn. We should just cut this in half and take off next week. (laughs) (laughs) God, it's tempting. We another week off, it's fine. Hang on. So uh, look out for part two next week. (laughs) Part two of two, maybe.